as we've shared in, in weeks past, our stories this year come not from the birth narratives of Jesus, but from the accounts of his life and the various people who encountered him. For while it's important to remember the humble way in which he came and entered into the world as a baby lying in a manger, we also remember why God came down. Advent reminds us that this world is broken. It's broken physically with natural disasters and disease and broken spiritually by our pride and rebellion and our dismissal of the God who loves us. It's broken by sin. But that's not how it was meant to be. Even when God created the earth in the Genesis account, looking at all that he had made, including humanity, he said, it is very good. Sin and rebellion have obscured hope and have dragged all of creation into darkness. Violence, pain, and even hurt. But Jesus... God came down. He wasn't satisfied to leave the world in chaos and hurt. In fact, even before Jesus, God had promised over and again that this is not the way things would always be. His kingdom was coming. Now, kingdom's a word that maybe feels very alien to us. It's a word that sometimes we don't quite get. It feels foreign or or sounds like it might even be harassing. But that's all because we can only imagine and all we know are broken kings, broken rulers, and broken authorities. But what if there was a king who wasn't broken? What if there was a king who was perfect? What if there was a king who would one day come and reign forever, setting all things right, making all things new? This is the kingdom God was bringing. God promised his people that a son of David would one day bring this, a kingdom that would never end. And the truth of Christmas is that God came down to proclaim a kingdom that would undo the effects of sin and death. He came to promise a future glory for all who put their faith in him, of a kingdom that would one day come in power and in fullness, where there be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, and no more pain. We love Jesus' miracles. We love it when Jesus heals people, and he heals because he is compassionate. He heals because he loves people deeply. But don't miss the other reason why he heals. He heals as a foretaste of the kingdom of God that he said he had had just begun to break in. The way things are meant to be as we live in God's presence. Every miracle is Jesus reclaiming people out of darkness and saving them into his glorious light. Every time Jesus heals someone, it's a trumpet fanfare saying, Don't you see it? It's right here before your very eyes. This is the kingdom I'm talking about. When God makes all things new. This Advent, we not only identify with the Old Testament people of God waiting for Jesus to come, but we are the New Testament people of God, waiting for Jesus to come again and for God's kingdom to come in its fullness forever. This is why God came down. God came down to reveal his kingdom. So we invite you this morning to sit back, enter into one such kingdom story. As Jesus headed towards Jerusalem, knowing his death was imminent, he had to pass through a little city, the city of Jericho. And coming out of the city, he met a man named Bartimaeus. And this is a small piece of his story.
Mark 10, 46 through 52. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. And Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Mercy! His voice cut through the din and the noise of the travelers coming and going along the road. His tone and inflection changed often. Sometimes it was pleading, as if saying, please have mercy on me. Other times it was filled with contempt. Have you no mercy in your hearts? He'd been at it for more than an hour now. He could tell because the sun had come above the horizon, and while he couldn't see it, he could now feel its direct warmth on his face. He had to claim his spot early. Travelers heading up from Jericho to Jerusalem had a full day's walk ahead of them to cover the 17 or so miles up into the mountains towards David's city. So he and his friend Noah, who guided him to their spot each day, would sit by the roadside, calling out as the pilgrims passed them by, trying to get people's attention. All they were hoping for was a coin or two to spare, a bit of bread with some oil or even a drink of water. But this day his mouth was dry from calling out, while the travelers stirred up the dust from the road. His friend Noach was sat beside him, but was apparently taking a rest from calling out to the passers-by. Bartimaeus could hear his breathing, though. He wasn't a well man, his friend Noach. He was old. His breathing was labored. He kind of rattled. But that also made him a good friend for Bartimaeus. Just by listening, he could tell where Noach was at all times. That actually gave him a measure of comfort to simply be still and to know he wasn't alone in his darkness. It was the best time of year for beggars, too, at least for those who who got the best spot right here outside of Jericho. It was just before the Passover. I mean, they were beggars, but they weren't fools. Every pilgrim would pass by this place at the beginning of their journey. Every pilgrim would be provisioned for the full-day climb up that road to the city. Every pilgrim would have plenty of food and water and perhaps enough to share. That was the hope, anyway. But after an hour or so, his intonation was neither pleading nor contemptuous. His entreaties were getting rather flat. Mercy, if you feel like it. If you even notice me sitting here. If you even notice that I'm a human being. If you even notice a fellow son of Israel sitting here. And they'd walk right on past, carrying on their conversation without even missing a beat. Even when he called out loudly to them. A wealthy-looking man with a donkey laden with goods came out of the gate and passed by the two beggars. Hearing him, Bartimaeus called out, Mercy! Have mercy! But the man didn't even acknowledge the plea. He didn't even look towards the two men at the side of the road. He pretended like they weren't even there. Bartimaeus leaned over to Noach, still rattling away beside him, and whispered, Is he coming over? He got no response from his friend. You know, he said, someone is blind here, but I'm not sure it's me. These people who walk past us, they're just as blind as I am. They they pretend like they can't even see. In fact, they're worse than blind because they choose not to see. What are you going on about? Noach shook his head a bit. 
his friend Bartimaeus, always talking, always talking, always calling out, always thinking about strange things, always questions, always making noise. Why couldn't he just be quiet? They don't have time for people like us, Bartimaeus. We're, we're nobodies. I mean, you're worse than nobody. Noah coughed and then spit a wad of something that made an unappetizing yet now familiar smacking noise as it hit the packed ground. <laughs> Sometimes Bartimaeus was glad he couldn't see. In fact, Noah continued, I don't know why I sit here with you all the time. You're bad for business. I mean, I'm just down on my luck, right? But you're blind. They all think you're cursed by God. I sit here each day with you, and I'm cursed by association, he grumbled. Then he had to clear his throat again, which was awful. These people don't want even to be near you. I don't, I don't know why I sit here with you every day. You're blind, they're blind, you're all blind. May your names be obliterated from all memory. Oh, and you're such an upstanding example of a true son of Israel, magnanimously condescending to sit with this poor wretch of a blind man. Exactly, Noah confirmed. <laughs> I'm only here because all my appointments today have sent word they're not available. All your appointments have apparently been canceled on you every day for the past six years. Well, aren't you grateful then for my availability? <laughs> the affectionate banter continued as the pilgrims passed them by on their way to the holy city. Though the pilgrims mostly ignored the two men as the crowds left Jericho, Bartimaeus did enjoy one advantage. I mean, he couldn't see, but he could hear. And he knew a lot about what was going on in the world. The people on pilgrimage to Jerusalem were, were from all over the north, having come from Galilee and far beyond. They had to cross over the Jordan, though, to avoid Samaria. So almost every Jew making the journey from any town north of Jerusalem came, yes, indeed, right through Jericho. And while people pretended not to see him and his friend, they also didn't seem to remember they could also hear them. People were very open about what they were talking about, not worrying at all that they might be overheard by a couple of invisible beggars at the side of the road. A family was coming out of Jericho. It was a typical family with grandparents and parents and children and grandchildren, some pack animals, and maybe a lamb that looked like it might be part of the upcoming Passover sacrifice. Now, Bartimaeus couldn't see them, of course, but Noah had gotten into the habit of narrating the pilgrimage activity under his breath. A uh, big family, lots of kids and women, well-provisioned. Bartimaeus didn't get more than this utilitarian portrait from his partner, but he called out nonetheless, Mercy! Have mercy! And then he whispered, Is anyone coming over? <laughs> was Noach's only reply. Bartimaeus interpreted that as a no. As the group passed by, though, Bartimaeus could hear the conversation among them. They were talking about this Jesus of Nazareth. He heard, He's proclaiming that the kingdom of God is at hand, one man's voice said. A woman's voice interrupted. Well, then let's see it. Let's see God redeem our people and restore the kingdom of our, of our father David. A third voice cut in, older, raspier. Jesus doesn't talk politics. He never talks politics. I'm not sure it's that kind of a kingdom. And then they were out of range, continuing up the road out of earshot. Smaller group, just three men, maybe brothers. Noach's voice scratched. M Mercy, Bartimaeus called out. Quiet there, one of the men called back. Bartimaeus felt a sudden sharp pain in his leg. He realized one of the men must have kicked a rock at them. Hey, thanks for the warning on that, Noah, Bartimaeus complained. That could have hit me in the face. Oh yeah, look out, he's kicking a rock at you. <laughs> but he heard the men as they were walking past. What kind of Messiah gets everyone all riled up about the kingdom of God, but then does nothing but teach and heal a couple people? 
A second voice disagreed. You say that as though teaching and healing people are no big deal, but I've heard that he's like, he's healed a paralyzed man. I've heard he healed a centurion's daughter. I've even heard he's raised the dead. The first voice wasn't having it. Well, then this kingdom he keeps talking about isn't the kingdom we're looking for. Talking, healing. What about Rome? I mean, we... But that was all Bartimaeus could hear before they too had moved on up the road. Uh-oh, Noah began, Pharisees, teachers of the law. Bartimaeus made to look at the ground as if he could see, and if he could see, he would be averting his eyes. Noach began to whistle innocently as though he was just taking a rest on his own journey up to the city because they never got anything but condescension and insults from the religious leaders who came by. So they tried to make themselves as inconspicuous as possible. Now, they would be far less conspicuous if Noach could actually whistle, but his problems breathing undermined his musicianship, and all that came out was a lot of air and considerable spit, much of which Bartimaeus felt on his cheek and neck, and he suspected that was probably on purpose. The Pharisees were talking in a low voice, but Bartimaeus could still clearly hear them once Noach stopped trying to whistle. I've heard they want to arrest him. I've heard some even want to put him to death for blasphemy, one said. Another countered, no way, he's too popular with the people. The first argued back, no, he's only popular with the wrong kinds of people. He loves sinners and tax collectors, even the unclean and the outcasts. His voice lowered, but Bartimaeus could still clearly hear him, like those two over there. Those would be the kind of people he would gravitate to. He'd probably stop here. You know what? He'd probably go and heal the blind one. It's like he's offended by sickness and blindness, like they're an affront to the way things should be. It's like he takes it all so personal, unable to sit idly by while people are... And then they too were out of earshot. There was a lull in the pedestrian traffic, but it didn't last long. Huge family, about 40 people, absolute chaos. But a few women coming along behind on our side of the street, be ready, Noach again narrated as the sounds of the group approached. And Bartimaeus began again his now standard pitch. Mercy, have mercy on us poor beleaguered sons of Israel. Mercy. Quiet, you there, a dominating male voice called back, overconfident with a healthy dose of insecurity mixed in. Probably a son overreaching, trying to lead the family in spite of an aging father. He could hear it in the guy's voice. Bartimaeus could hear the whole group passing by. There were so many different conversations, it was actually hard to focus on any one of them. But as the main bulk of the group passed them by, he could both sense and hear the group coming to a stop. An argument had broken out between the loudmouthed son and what Bartimaeus could only assume was his father. Now, he couldn't hear the words, they were far enough away, but the voices were heated, and the whole caravan would likely remain just stalled there until the situation was resolved. But even as the sound of all those feet slowed and stopped, and as the sound of exasperation seeped into many of the conversations happening among the family members, Bartimaeus heard footsteps approaching. He heard that beloved sound of sandals hesitantly coming towards them on the street. The hesitantly part was a good thing. A fast approach usually meant a kick was coming, but the sound of a slow approach meant maybe a piece of bread, a coin, maybe something for each of them. From the sounds of it, he figured it was two, maybe three women. And they were still a ways off, but he could hear their hushed conversation. Why do you give money to them? A younger voice could be heard, asking the woman Bartimaeus presumed or at least hoped to be an impending source of benevolence. I, I give because of Jesus of Nazareth, the gentle voice replied. 
you, you weren't there. You didn't see the way he looked at the paralyzed man. It was like he was the most important person in the world. You didn't see the way he looked at the man's legs. Like his paralysis was just never the way things were supposed to be. He teaches about a kingdom, the kingdom of God. You should have heard him at Nazareth when he taught from Isaiah. At least I think it was Isaiah. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he said that he was fulfilling that prophecy, him, Jesus. I mean, the people ran him out of town for such a claim. Yeah, from his own hometown, not a lot of love there. But don't you see? He's talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about the way things were always supposed to be. He's talking about freedom, not from Rome. How nearsighted. He's talking about freedom from brokenness and sin, from our pride and rebellion against God, from that of our own and that of our forefathers. He's talking about giving sight to the blind. I've seen him. He heals people. He restores their bodies to the way they were supposed to be. There is no sickness in the kingdom of God. There will be no paralysis. There will be no blindness. He is preaching the kingdom of God and he's bringing it. It may just be a taste of it. It may just be a foretaste of it, but he's literally showing us the kingdom with every person he heals, with every tax collector he welcomes, with every prostitute he restores, and with every leper he makes whole. A cool shadow fell across Bartimaeus' face. He could tell because the warmth of the sun on his skin was suddenly blocked. She must be standing right over him. But a different warmth could be felt as she spoke now to him, her voice right there near him. May the Lord have mercy on you indeed, my friends. She spoke with a gentleness that allowed Bartimaeus to drop his defenses and to lean into that hope. Here, hold out your hand, she instructed. He did so. She actually touched his hand and placed three small coins into it. He'd find out later what kind of coins they were. And for you as well, grandfather. And he heard the sound of a few more coins falling into what he knew would be Noach's outstretched hand. He had been seen. Well, may the Lord bless you and keep you, lady, Bartimaeus said, with gratitude overflowing into his voice. May the Lord bless you, he trailed off as he heard their footsteps start to move away. But he could hear their continuing conversation. Don't you see, though, the woman continued, he also gives sight to hearts that are blind. I mean, how many people walk right past these two men? Blind to their need. Blind to their situation. Do you think Jesus would walk right on by? Look, I gave him a few coins. I know I'm not changing the world here. A few coins will not save them or lift them out of poverty, but, but I think seeing them matters. Maybe, maybe it even matters to them. But if you listen to Jesus... If you just stop and put together what he's been teaching and what he's doing, you can't help but see it. People matter to God. All people, even those who have been written off by the world. And in some small way, I, I can be part of this kingdom too by following Jesus into the kingdom, into a kingdom built on loving God and loving those whom God loves. And her voice trailed off now too far for Bartimaeus to hear as the entire caravan moved on. Everyone was talking about Jesus, Bartimaeus marveled. This Jesus was changing the world, but 
but he was doing it all wrong or, or all right, depending on how you look at it. He wasn't changing the political structures of his day. He wasn't investing in the religious leadership at the temple. He was changing the world by changing people like, like this woman he considered. And she was the only one today who had stopped for them, who had spoken to them, who had given to them. This woman who'd been a follower of Jesus, she'd been the only one that day to really see. He could sense the commotion before he could make any sense of what he was hearing. And then he could hear it even before Noah had a chance to do his under-the-breath narration. There was a horde of people coming. And what was really strange to his ears was the sound of people going the wrong way along the street. People at the start of the day should be heading up towards Jerusalem, but it was as though the crowds had reversed direction and people were rushing back to Jericho. But he soon found out why. It was on everyone's lips. Jesus is coming. It's Jesus of Nazareth. It was the undercurrent beneath all the commotion. People had actually turned around to come back for the chance to see Jesus. Finally, Noach noticed it all. Maybe he'd been napping. Uh, Bartimaeus, he began. Um, so, like, like, a lot of people are coming out of Jericho. I mean, I mean a lot of people. Like, a huge crowd is coming. Bartimaeus had not expected this. Jesus was coming. Like, here, on their road. I mean, he was surely still a long way off, but he began shouting for his life. He had to get Jesus' attention. He couldn't allow himself to be passed by. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, he shouted it again and again. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He was relentless. Jesus had to hear him. Mercy! You there, enough of that, a harsh voice called back. Don't bother the teacher, commanded another. Be quiet, a third voice jumped out from his ever-present darkness. And the voices, they were coming from all around him. They swirled in his ears. He couldn't even really tell which direction they were coming from. The, the rebukes, the reprimands, they enveloped him. They surrounded him. They disoriented him. But he just, he just shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me! Because Jesus had to see him. He thought of everything he'd heard about this Jesus of Nazareth, how he really saw people, even the lowest of people, as valuable and worthy of dignity and respect, and how he healed and he restored and he redeemed those who were lost causes and those for whom hope had fled. And he remembered hearing of this kingdom of God that Jesus preached, a kingdom where the captives would be set free, where the lame could walk, where everything that was broken with the world would be made right, and where the blind would be made to see. He had to make sure Jesus saw him. And then everything fell silent. It was jarring. The sound of feet stopped. The voices, once all excited or rebuking or even just conversing, they ceased. He thought he had heard something start the silence, a, a, a command, but in the chaos, he couldn't be sure of anything more than the tone of that voice. It was a voice that had commanded obedience, yet a voice that was gentle at the same time. It, it wasn't the voice of an insecure son usurping his father, and it, and it wasn't the petulant voice of a religious leader condescending to them. It, it was power, but it was also love. And then, hey you, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. He couldn't believe it but he didn't take any time to marvel at the invitation. Jesus wanted to see him. Bartimaeus threw his cloak aside, jumped to his feet, and began to run toward Jesus. 
Not that way, said a voice behind him, and he felt two strong hands grab him from the shoulders and turn him forcibly around. Jesus is over here. The voice had softened. One of the hands remained on his shoulder, firmly guiding him in the right direction as the two walked a handful of paces and then stopped. No one was speaking. No one was stirring. The once busy, chaotic road leading away from Jericho had fallen completely silent with just the bleeding of some sheep in the far background. And then that voice, oh, that voice spoke again, his voice. What do you want me to do for you? The voice asked. What a question, Bartimaeus thought to himself. I mean, what didn't he want Jesus to do for him? I mean, he obviously wanted his vision to be restored. But before he blurted out this as his answer, he realized he wanted so much more. He wanted, he wanted to understand. He wanted to understand who Jesus was. He wanted to understand this kingdom of God that Jesus was proclaiming. He wanted to know what Jesus said and what he did and how that could change someone so completely like the woman who had shared her coins with him. He wanted to know how Jesus could heal a paralyzed man or restore a man with leprosy. He wanted to understand how Jesus could cast out demons. He wanted to grasp why the religious leaders were so upset by everything Jesus said and did. There was so much he wanted to know, and he was just so blind to all of it. All he had was what he'd heard, right? Snippets of conversations stolen from crowds along the road. Overheard whispers about Jesus from pilgrims traveling from the north. Fragments of dialogue from among those walking up to Jerusalem. What did he want? He wanted to be seen. He wanted to be seen by God, to know, to know God and to know that God loves him, to know that he is not cursed by God, to know that he is precious to God, that he belongs. He wanted, he wanted to understand it all and he just couldn't frame it as an answer to Jesus's question. But if Jesus was revealing this, this kingdom of God, then Bartimaeus wanted to see it, to experience it, to know it, to be a part of it, and to do it all with Jesus. The kingdom was unfolding in full view of the world around him. So Bartimaeus summoned all of his questions and tried to to, to smush them into a single answer laden with the weight of his hopes and his fears. What did he want Jesus to do for him? Well, sure, he wanted his vision restored, but, but he wanted to see his life redeemed and restored and whole again. He wanted to see Jesus for who he really was. He wanted to see this kingdom that Jesus was revealing. Rabbi, Bartimaeus said, I want to see. <clears throat> what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight. And he followed Jesus along the road. 